Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Journey to Develop Her podcast. As you know, I'm Deontay Chantel. Today we have DeAndre Anderson out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Welcome to the podcast, DeAndre. Hey, Deontay. Appreciate you inviting me to the podcast. Appreciate it. Absolutely. You remind me of myself in so many ways. You getting started in this real estate business at a young age. I got started at about 21, 22, uh, shortly after college. But what motivated you to get into this industry? So basically what, what kind of motivated me was when I graduated college, I was trying to you know pursue a career in law enforcement and it wasn't working out for me. And for some reason, I just stopped filling the field. Like I, I saw cops, I hung out with them. And they all were complaining about money, you know, their bill, they were behind their bills. They didn't have time for with their family, you know, and I'm just like, is that really what I want? You know, cause I did a lot of internships and stuff like that. And then I met a friend, he told me to read Rich Dad Poor Dad, you know, right after I graduated from college. So uh, once I read that book, you know, that really like uh, struck a nerve, like I could do more than just, you know, be average or just have a career. So, and you know, Robert Kiyosaki talks about real estate. So in the book, so, and that's what really got me like started on real estate. You know, that's what got me the real estate book. Awesome. So how old were you exactly when you got started? I was, I think I was 23. That's awesome. 23. Mm -hmm. And what was it that stood out to you about the Rich Dad Poor Dad book? Because that book has so many gems in it, but what was the, the real aha moment or game changer for you while reading that book, if you remember? So the game changer for me, the main thing it was, it was that you could be hardworking, a nice person and still be broke. You know, mm -hmm. that's what stood out to me. And I'm just, and then once he, once he was basically explaining that in the book, I kind of looked at my mom, looked at my parents, looked at my sisters and I'm like, yeah, my mom is a nice person. My family are nice. They're good people. They're hardworking but they always complain about money, you know, not having enough or can't afford this, can't afford that. So that's what really like made me just kind of, you know, like going to, until like a metamorphosis, you can call it. So that was the main thing that stood out about the book. It like blew me, completely blew me. Awesome. You know, to this day, I never read that book in its entirety. That's really? shocking, right? Yeah. So... <laughs> I remember getting like at least 60% through. I read their other books. I think it was the ABCs of investing or real estate investing. I read that in its in full entirety, but Rich Dad, Poor Dad, for some reason, I never got through the whole thing. I don't know. I'm weird like that. I just like, I'll get what I need and I'll just be so excited. I'll just get going. <laughs> so that's just me. That's a good thing actually, right? But yeah, that's a fun fact. I don't, I don't finish books in its full entirety. So tell us about you in this business. For those who are going to be watching and listening, DeAndre is a wholesaler who specializes in land wholesaling. So he sells infill lots, subdivisions, acres of land. Tell us more about what you do in, in the wholesaling sector. Yeah, so right now, um, I'm basically, I basically wholesale land virtually all over the United, well, we'll say United States because I'm trying to get there. But... Currently, I'm hosting a land virtually all throughout the state of Florida. 
you know, in any market, in the major markets like Orlando, Palm Bay, Jacksonville, any major markets in Florida, I'll probably, you know, Miami, I've probably done some wholesaling in those markets. And we basically just, you know, have relate. I basically have relationships with these builders that, you know, you may be driving down the street and you might see, you know, DR Horton or a big company building a house or something like that. I work with those guys and I basically go out and I look for land and I basically just wholesale it to them. So that's in a nutshell, that's basically what I do in the wholesaling business. Awesome. And did you always do wholesaling of land or were you doing homes at first initially? At first I was doing houses. I started off doing single family homes virtually as well. Like I just, I got introduced to everything virtually. And the homes were fine. The homes were good. I liked it. I learned, uh, I, I got, I got a lot of knowledge and a lot of education from the houses, but there were a lot of moving parts. You know, it was a lot of things I didn't know, like how to estimate repairs and things of that nature, you know, bathroom, the, like when was the last time the bathroom was redone, kitchen, you know, foundation, you know, those are the things I got hung up on when I was wholesaling houses. So when I was introduced to land by my business partner, Jeff, and then he connected us with this girl named Derby. I, you know, when I get into land, it was, it kind of cut all, all of the repair costs and all of that out. So then I just gravitated all towards land and now I do hand, I do land fully and I don't have, do, don't do houses at all. However, if a house does come around, you know, I, I, I know how to take it down, you know? Good, good. So you got started. At 23, which is amazing. I'm glad you had a mind shift so quickly before a lot of your peers. So that's amazing. So that makes you already ahead of the rat race. Well, you're not even in the rat race, but it just makes you ahead in life. Just mentally knowing that, one, there is no job security. Those who do work the hardest are still broke, right? I mean, a lot of people think you just get a second job and it's just going to help you with the income. No, you're just more tired and you're still broke. Anyway, you look at it. So you found a way to find some type of freedom for yourself. And first you started out with your time, right? You freed up your time in a sense where you're not clocking in. Of course, entrepreneurship. I actually work even harder as an entrepreneur. Well, let's say in the beginning, I worked harder as an entrepreneur, but then once I got the system down and I got it in place and I started delegating, now it's like I'm running a business, right? will say head in charge or a CEO in many cases. I always say God is my CEO, but in many cases I'm running, I'm the COO, <laughs> chief operating officer. I'm still operating the business and I delegate things that I don't like doing, right? So I'm assuming that's what you've been doing. You're you shifting your mind into business um, owner, entrepreneur, and you started at 23. So I just love that. Now, how long did it take for you to close your first real estate or get your first check? So it took, it took me an entire year just to get my first check. Whole year, dropping for dollars, knocking on doors, sending out mail. You know what I'm saying? It took me one whole year to do that. That sounds about right. It probably took me the same amount of time, to be honest with you. Because <laughs> I remember getting started. Like, I just got started. I didn't care. So from the time I educated myself and to the time I actually got my first check in my hand, yeah, it was definitely a year. And it wasn't consistency either. Like I, I wasn't calling anybody. 
I wasn't really driving. I was probably driving for dollars a little bit, but I, I didn't really put any effort into it. With you, on the other hand, you consistently had a system going, right? You would drive for dollars. You would cold call. You would, I don't know, send out text messages and ring those voicemails, and you didn't get any um, traction. Nothing. Not 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 a dollar. I remember I was working at my I was working at my nine to five at the time. You know, I had a job, and I used to you know cold call after work. You know, get nothing. I used to drive for dollars on the weekend, get nothing. Send out RVMs. I used to send out mail. Like I literally get a paycheck. I get my paycheck, and then I'll put like you know thirty percent to the side or whatever for my check. And that entire thirty percent would go to sending out direct mail. You know, for me to just get like two or three phone calls just to say I'm not interested in selling. You know, and wow. direct mail. I mean, it's expensive, but it was you know at the time it was it was very expensive. You know what I'm saying? But you know, and that's what kind of got me to the point I am today because, you know, I feel like I needed to go through those struggles. If you don't go through those struggles, if you don't go through those heartaches, then, you know, you you won't really feel like how worth it is to be to this point. So a lot of people, they see the success, they see the money, they see the post, whatever, but they don't see the whole year that I was wholesaling. They make a dime. I actually quit, you know, for like two months. I said, man, this stuff ain't working. I actually quit. I was like, I'm done mm-hmm. wholesaling, you know? I tried something else and then that didn't work. So I literally came right back to wholesaling and got back to it. But, uh, but yeah, this is definitely not easy. Definitely not an easy business. I agree. I'm actually coaching a few people in wholesaling now. And, you know, before they even got to me, they already paid two other people <laughs> to coach them. <laughs> I'm like, well, and I knew it wasn't the coach. I kind of feel like now that I'm working with them, it's the person. <laughs> They're probably going to hear this and know I'm talking about them. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. Mm-hmm. But it's, 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 <laughs> and it's also, <laughs> it's also the market right now, right? We're in a seller's market now, so you can't go lowballing mm-hmm. people. So now you need to have creative strategies on how to get these leads and deals closed. But, you know, wholesaling back in the days was easy. You know, back in like 2016, 2015, all you had to do was just network with people on Facebook. That's how I literally got my first deal, by networking with strangers on Facebook. Easy peasy. Putting auction properties under contract, flipping the contract. Like, it was easy. Now, (laughs) all of those opportunities are gone. Now you really have to put in the effort. You really do have to pound the phone, send out mass text messages, mass uh, RVMs, which are ringless voicemails. Really put an effort. And I think the name of the game, what really helped me as a wholesaler was networking. Like my network truly was my net net worth. Definitely, I recommend recommend anyway, you know, befriending realtors, especially ones who get these REO or bank-owned properties. Like a lot of my deals, I was able to make my largest check, 60, 70 grand was from another real estate agent now did some of them know i was going to wholesale it yes some of the deals we actually uh closed on and in some cases we closed on probably two out of ten but we still wholesaled it or hoteled it right cleaned it out and just resold it at the market value however we wouldn't have never gotten those deals if we didn't have that realtor in our pocket pretty much so I do encourage all to do that. Now, that's for houses. 
land is a totally different uh, scenario. How do you, how would you recommend one get their first land deal or wholesale land deal? Well, well wholesale, wholesale land deal. So obviously I will say really everything you need to know is for free on YouTube. You can literally type it on YouTube, how to wholesale land, and you'll see a bunch of videos, a bunch of guys talking about it. So, you know, the resources at your disposal for free on the internet, but just in a nutshell, right? The aspect of land is really an untapped niche. So not many wholesalers are going after most of the wholesalers are going at the houses and they don't really have the budget or the marketing dollars to compete with these bigger guys. So if you want to get your first deal in wholesaling, I recommend, you know, understanding the land business because you can get your wholesale deal a lot quicker. And how I know I've done it for myself. I've also mentored, you know, three or four other people and they've all closed their, you know, first land deals and they're still closing them to this day. So I also recommend obviously, you know, using your free resources on YouTube, right? Connect, connecting with wholesaling land Facebook groups. There's a bunch of them out there. And then really soaking in that content and learning. And then, you know, find, you know, find a mentor or a coach that can kind of walk you through it and teach you how it goes. But just quickly in a nutshell, you know, we reach out to these builders, these big building companies, and we just ask the acquisition people, you know, what are you guys looking to, what, what are you guys looking for land at? Because they these guys are building. And then they'll say, hey, we're looking for land in this area, this zip code. And then, you know, we ask them what lot, what's the lot size, how the company they use, EMD, all of that stuff. So once we get all that good info, we literally just put it on our software and you as many softwares you can use, like PropStream, DataTree, Reonomy, it's a couple of them out there. And you literally put it in there, you pull that list, you skip trace it, you start reaching out to those landowners, right? And then you just start making them offers lower than what the builder can pay for, you know? And believe it or not, these landowners, they're just sitting on this land. They're not builders, but they're not developers. They're just consumers. They have regular jobs and they just, either they bought the land a long time ago, they thought they were going to have plans with it or something got passed down from a family member or they bought it from a friend and they just been paying the taxes and sitting on it, or they just got it and they just stopped paying the taxes. I run into every case scenario. Um, so if you want to get your first wholesale deal period, the quickest, I recommend looking into wholesaling land definitely yes i agree so what's the first step they need to take they need to invest in a software right mm -hmm. you would recommend go well you say go to youtube or they can just contact you directly and you can coach them on that but they are going to invest in a database such as prop stream you mentioned data tree they have um, they have a bunch of them out there so many. Mm -hmm. Either way, they're going to go on that database system and they're going to put in land, right? I know some I've, you and some of your colleagues, we'll call them your partners, you've said to like put in a specific dimension maybe or land size or plot size or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then just to get to narrow down. And then they're going to skip trace these people, get in contact with the owner, see if they're interested in selling their land. I'm sure you would recommend that they go after people that may be highly motivated, right? Or do you just call anybody? So, I mean, generally speaking, I'm going after the people who own the land for what's been working for us is the people who own the land for three years or more. And it's generally individuals. There are some situations where we go after LLCs, 
and trust. But we look for individuals who own land for at least at least three years or more. I feel like that's a good number. I have closed deals where it's been two years or more, but generally it's three years or more. And you know, and I look also, I look for a certain price range, right? So let's say my builder says, hey, DeAndre, you know, I'm not paying no more than 30,000, you know, for a vacant lot. I'll look for everyone who paid 20,000 or less, you know what I'm saying? And then if, you know, start making them offers and if they pay 24, I'll just offer them 25. And if they accept the offer, I can wholesale it for 30 and then I can make five, you know what I'm saying? So, um, and then there's some people who bought it for 10 and then maybe I can offer them 15 and then I can wholesale it for 30 and I can make 15,000, you know? So it's yeah, and, and you can do all that with the software. You have you can put all those filters, and then you can, if you want to get specific, like let's say you're running low on money, or you, you just started, you don't have that much money, right? You can look for landowners, um, absentee out of state owners. So you can look for people who own land in a state, but they own they live in another state. Like I have people who own land. I've got in contact with people who own land in Florida, but they live all the way in California. They live all the way in Maine. They live all the way in Michigan. Right, just like with a house, absentee owners out of state, and you know the difference is like you know even though even though it's land, they don't have that attachment to it. Like literally, I talked to a guy in Maine; he owned a lot, you know, in Jacksonville, and he's like, uh, you know, I don't have no plans with it. I don't want it anymore. I'll sell it if you want to, you know, if you want to take it, you know. And he didn't have no plans. He lived out of state. He didn't have a connection. But if it was a house. You know, he had a tenant in there or something, you know, he would have had, I feel like some type of emotional attachment to it. But since mm-hmm. it was just dirt, grass, he was paying those taxes, he was more willing to just, he was more open to an offer on it. So, but if you are, you know, budget is not that high, want to get into looking for some land leads, start with the one to live out of state. And that'll narrow the list down to, okay, now these people, they own land here, but they live out of state and I'll narrow it down. But you can look for people who have, you know, back taxes, like tax liens or just nuisance liens or demolition liens, right? They have all those filters on, on, I think, any software. So, but generally, I like to just, me, since I have a more bigger marketing budget than most people, I like to just hit everybody who owns land three years or more, whether it has liens, taxes, demolition, out of state, in state, in county, in city, everywhere, you know? Sometimes they live right (laughs) <laughs> they live right next to the like I'm wholesale like I've already wholesale this 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 vacant lot. It closes today actually. This lady she bought the house. She and then she bought the land with it, and she was gonna buy. She was gonna pay for like get a like I think get like a construction loan to build another house, but the city didn't approve the loan. So literally, I got it on the contract. I already sold it to my builder, and I'm closing on the vacant lot, and she stayed right next to it. You know, and she was motivated when I when I spoke to her. So. It doesn't matter if they're in state, out of county, out of state, you know, a motivated seller is a motivated seller. But if you know, I recommend out of state absentee landowner. Good advice. And what do you recommend for the, the marketing budget? Well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, honestly, when I first started, I didn't have much money. I recommend Zillow to try to get as much Zillow for sale by owners to get as much free leads as you can. But if you do have some money to work with, I think you can make something shape with, you know, $500 or less. Because I've had a student where she only had, I think, like $200. And she bought a list, right? She, so she got the software. She got the list. The list was about $50. And she literally is closing two deals off 
$50, well, plus the software. So around $120, $130, you know, she's making $14,000, right, off $200, you know. So I say five, anywhere, you know, I say 500 is a good number to, you know, just get the ball rolling. You really don't need that much money at all, period. Right. Now, do you recommend, so someone like you who had a nine to five, they're trying to close their first deal. Do you recommend them hiring or delegating cold calling task or whatever to a VA or do you think they should do it themselves? It depends. Honestly, with because the thing is, I tried that and it didn't work out. So when I, when I first started and I was working so much, I could not call and text and follow up and send contracts. So I actually hired the VA and then I hired a second VA like right after that, right? However, because I was so inexperienced, it, it, was, a, it was a disaster. I was paying the VA. They were making these cold calls. I didn't close any deals. So I ran out of money to pay them. So I had to let them go or they had to let me go. But it really depends on your knowledge and experience and how long you've been in the game because you can't work a nine to five and hire a VA. However, this is what I recommend. If you're working a nine to five and you don't have that much time, I will use something like Fiverr, right? I will hire a VA maybe for, you know, on a project and project basis. I wouldn't actually hire them to be a full-time employee. So you go on Fiverr.com and then let's say you pull a list, right? And you want to start marketing. You can pay that VA just to do that list. And once the list is done, boom, you, you pay them. And then now you can take over from there. So if you're working nine to five, I recommend using the VA on a project by project basis. Or if you don't even have the funds to do that, I recommend, you know, look really looking at what you're doing in your, in your free time, right? Are you watching Netflix? Are you doing something that is not aligning with your goals and dreams? So are you hanging with people that are not helping you or keeping you on track? They want to go drink every day or something like that. So I recommend really being stingy. I call it being stingy with your time, you know? And so, and with that time that you were putting towards watching TV or hanging out with friends, you can put it towards real estate. When you get off of work, you probably go watch TV, wind down or whatever you do. I recommend, you know, watching more videos, reaching out to sellers, sending mail, doing, doing what you have to do. So if you are working nine to five, like all your free time has to go into real estate, has to go on the wholesale, right? When I was working uh, in my nine to five, literally like if I had to be to work at nine, I'm up at seven and watching videos, you know? And then when I get off at five and I get home at five thirty, six o'clock, I'm calling sellers and texting sellers, right? And I have buddies, hey, let's go hang out. Let's go do this on the weekend. And I'm like, I can't do that. You know, I gotta I gotta get to these sellers. I gotta close some deals, you know? So you're gonna have to make a lot of sacrifices, especially if you have a nine to five. And you don't have that much money in your experience and depending on your experience level. But yeah, that's what I recommend. I agree. I find it that the virtual assistants there, you got to watch them. Like you have to monitor them. <laughs> yes, you do. I agree. <laughs> I've dealt with them, trust me. Yeah. Hey, but you know, I had one last year just because I was building out my real estate agent brand because I'm with the EXP. So I was trying to build out a team and all this stuff. She was, she was calling people apparently because... I've been getting calls from these random numbers. They're like, yeah, you called me six months ago. I'm like, I did. I didn't call nobody. 
And, you know, she did have a system of, I have a CRM as an agent, which I don't even really work as an agent, but I went in the CRM and I found this lady. I thought it was like a scam call. And she literally had a whole, she was getting weekly emails from me and I didn't know. So, you know, if you do have a system in place and you are sending out newsletters to your email list and, and this, I guess, could work for investors or homeowners, right? You're sending out newsletters to them. You're staying in contact. Even if you're not talking to them, they'll remember you. So even if you're going to be doing some type of marketing to see if they want to sell their house, bottom line is the money is in the follow-up. And in this case, I wasn't really following up with this lady because I didn't even know who she was. I don't even know how to pronounce her name, nothing. But she thought I was, right? And she was like, yeah, you've been contacting me for the last six months. I'm ready to buy a house. I'm like, oh, okay. She, I was like, well, when was the last time I contacted you? She was like, last week. I was like, oh, really? Okay. I had to go look in the, you know, in my CRM, which I didn't even know how to use. It's bad. And I saw that the last time I contacted her was in the last like six days or so. So the moral of the story is to create a system where you're consistently following up, right? With buyers, sellers, uh, making sure they don't forget about you. So when they do think real estate or land or selling or buying, they're thinking of you. Do you agree? And do you implement that in your business in some sort? Or tell us how you would do it. Yes, a hundred percent. Like the 90, 99.9% of my deals have been from follow-up. Those have been my biggest spreads because, you know, a lot of people get discouraged when they hear no. And I just try to tell them like, hey, no means not right now, you know? That's not the situation two, three months, four months from now, because they say no today. And then if you keep following up with them every other week or every month, you know, God forbid something happens when they need money now or, you you know, I want to be the first person that comes to their mind. Like, man, this guy's been texting me like every, every month or every two weeks. And now I'm ready to sell. That happens all, like all the time. Like I've consistently followed up with sellers for like five months. You know, and I and just got on the contract and this deal. So the so the money is in the follow up, and a good CRM and a good VA to manage that would help with that greatly because I struggle with the follow up sometimes too. But you see, like, so I'll I'll struggle with the follow ups, the ones that kind of like maybe they curse me out or they're just like totally not interested. But the ones who showed interest initially, then maybe I couldn't close them or maybe they back out. I never wholesaled any land. Well, would I start? I mean, I'll wholesale it to myself, right? Because I, mm-hmm. I buy land as well. <laughs> but if I had an opportunity to make some money or some land, I'm definitely going to wholesale it, and especially if I don't want it. Yeah. So, are the contracts different when you're wholesaling land, or you're using the same purchase and a uh, purchase and sale agreement? The contracts are different. Every state has a a standard vacant land contract. Do so you have your, you know? residential as is mm-hmm. purchase and sales agreement and then you have your vacant land contract so they're two different contracts okay that's that's good to know mm-hmm. i know you you have your own services or products that you offer trainings that you offer <clears throat> specifically around land trust mm-hmm. so do you want to tell us about that yeah so the the land the, so basically i utilize land trust when i wholesale all of my deals and it's, it's legal in all 50 states. They call it a different name. They may call it a 
grand total revocable trust or a living trust. They call it different things, but the land trust is legal in all 50 states. And basically, I like to use it because it gives me anonymity. It basically gives me some privacy, right, when I'm doing my wholesale deal. So when I put a property under contract, I'm not putting DeAndre, I'm not putting my LLC, I'm putting, you know, the property development trust or the, um, you know, the Broadway Avenue South Trust. So and it's, it's primarily for privacy. Because there have been like sellers where, you know, I put my LLC on it and they, you know, they look it up on public record, right? It's on public record. Oh, are you DeAndre from South Florida? You know, and I'm just like, that makes me feel uncomfortable a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Um, and also just, just period with land trust. It basically like allows you to keep your name off public record. So when you take title to a property, you know, God forbid someone has a judgment against you a creditor has a judgment or lien, they can't attach that lien to your name or your company because you put it in the trust. And when you put it in the land trust, you don't actually sign for anything, right? You're a trustee, you're going to get a, a trusted third party to sign all your documents for you. And legally, no one can attach liens or judgments to that third party because they're just a manager. They're just an employee of the of your trust. So. So I basically teach people how to wholesale out of trust. I teach people how to take title to property and trust. And you can do how you can put your house in the trust. You can put your land in the trust. You can put your commercial building in the trust. And then you can also wholesale houses, land or commercial building, all in trust, apartments, whatever. You can do it all out of land trust. And a land trust is really nothing but a sheet of paper. When I say trust, you know, some people think about some big account. Maybe, you know, you got to go to the state government or something. Trust, a land trust is nothing but a private agreement between two individuals. And that's just what it is. And you're just agreeing for that, your trustee to sign on behalf of you, you know, and, but you're the one that's benefiting from the transaction. So you still get the rent. Like if you, if you purchase the property in a trust, you still get the rent. You know, when I wholesale a property out of a trust, I still get my assignment fee. You know what I'm saying? So. That's basically right. how it works. So two things. <clears throat> One, how do you find that third party? Mm. Like what type of person or who sh do you recommend that you select as your trustee? So let me start with who not to use first and then I'll get to that. So who okay. not to use as your trustee is somebody with the same last name as you, especially if you're, take, if you're taking title to a property, I would not use anyone with the same last name as you. I would not use a spouse. I would not use a family member. I would use maybe a business partner or someone that you know in another state or in another country. Okay. But anybody could be a trustee, but I recommend either actually hiring a professional trustee service. There are services out there that all they do, they're just trustees. They'll sign for you and obviously they'll charge you for it, of course. But like uh, uh, someone like someone's LLC or someone's business can be your trustee. I know some attorneys out here, right? Some attorneys offer trustee services. They may charge you a hundred bucks a month to be your trustee and attorney. Uh, so I you, currently right now I'm using my business partner. I'm his trustee and he's my trustee. And we do our deals, but you can use a business partner. You can use an attorney. You can use someone that's in another state, like you can be in, 
you know, Virginia, and then your trustee could be all the way in California. It doesn't matter where they are. So, so I recommend it's just the recommending someone that you trust, so, someone that you trust and that you have no issues doing business with. Awesome advice. So I remember looking into land trust. Actually, I did like a whole, I think I did a whole training. I paid for somebody to teach me. But in my state, they don't, nobody closes in trust. Like New Jersey is just that state that doesn't utilize it at all. Now we do close in LLCs. And, but the point of me even learning trust is because I wanted to use it as a way to wholesale. Right. And I, in my mind, I was going to sell the trust and collect the assignment fee. Right. And my documentation would say, okay, any additional access funds will go to, you know, X, Y, and Z at the closing, right? Because that's how it typically would be worded. Mm-hmm. However, New Jersey or up north, they just don't, no one wants to buy a trust. However, in this case, this is one of the loopholes that you would use as well as with, a, or LLC to mm-hmm. wholesale. Now, for instance, I mentioned earlier that we would buy auction properties, bank-owned properties, and the mm-hmm. only way you can truly wholesale those because they do have deed restrictions is by selling the actual entity or mm-hmm. instrument that has consumed the real estate land or property, right? So do you want to talk about that? How you actually structure your deals with the trust, like selling the, do you, do you sell the trust to another mm-hmm. buyer? Or? Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. if I had to, yeah. So basically with land, I just do a regular assignment and the builders take title to it in their LLC. But when I was doing houses, I ran into a lot of sellers who didn't want me to assign it. Or I ran into a lot of, you know, realtors who don't want me to assign it if I get it on the contract. So, so basically at that point, I'm like, okay, I can double close it or I can use a trust and I decided to use a trust. So how we did it was. Uh, so I'll get it on the contract. Let's say I get it on the contract and the trust for 50000 right? And then I will sell the trust for 60000 So they basically buy the trust from me because what people got to understand is that you, so I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way. So you don't own the house, right? The trust owns the, the you own the trust and the trust owns the house, all right? So I'll say that one more time. You don't own the house. You own the trust, the trust owns the house. So someone asks you, you own the house, you don't own the house, you own the trust, all right? Uh, and, it's in, and to be specific with wholesaling, it's the same thing. You own the trust, the trust has the property under contract, and then the trust assigns the property. I did not assign the contract, the trust assigned the contract. You control the trust, you don't own the house, you just control the trust, you tell it what to do. All right. So, and that's that. So what basically what I'll do is I would, you know, put it on the contract in the trust, right? Right. My, and my trust has it on the contract and then sell the trust to the end buyer. But, you know, like you said, right, these buyers don't like purchasing trust, right? It's a hassle, right? So what they would do is I'll sell them the trust and then they'll just quick claim, they'll quick claim it from the trust to the LLC and poof, we walk away and everything went fine. And it happens right. like, just like that. Like you can quit claiming to your LLC just like that. Awesome. So I find it interesting that 
to alleviate all of these issues with buyers not wanting, wanting to pay an assignment fee, DeAndre is simply just first finding the buyer, finding what they would pay, and then he's adding his fee into the mix along the way. So, of course, we call that, you know, reverse wholesaling in some mm-hmm. regard. And I think some people, they they work back, well, they work, well, you're working backwards, right? But I think it's more beneficial to you because you know not to go over this amount in this neighborhood mm-hmm. and you specifically found what they're looking for. So that's great. I, I think that's the best method though. Like, even if I was still doing houses to this day, I would still reach out to all the cash buyers first and I would get their criteria. Like, hey, like I had, like my partner literally did this. Like he did, he tried it in Cleveland. He got in contact with some Cleveland buyers and they sent him the their target map. It was literally a map of the zip codes, the areas they were buying houses in in Cleveland. And literally, he didn't have it. He he. They wanted a you know three three twos or better. They want and they wanted the in Cleveland the price to be low. So they wanted the property to be worth at least a hundred thousand or more. So literally, once the buyers give you what they're looking for, they tell you that you can literally go put that into your software and pull that data. You know, mm-hmm. if you go into a market blind, say, okay, I'm going to market for, you know, all the properties in this area, and then I'm going to look for a buyer after, you know, it's just like, you're, you're kind of wishing to find a buyer. You're kind of just fishing. But if you have three or four buyers in place that gave you zip codes, they gave you bed and bath, they gave you, oh, I want, you know, properties that are not, you know, built in 1950 or better, but then you go out, you got properties built in the 1920s, right? They're not even going to look at it. So. Um, even if I was doing houses, I would still go for the buyers first. But with land, works even better going to the builders, the developers first, and then pick kind of cherry picking what they want. But that's like I think it's the best method like ever. It stops all the questions, and then you can build more rapport with that buyer. You know, I used to just have like a list of a thousand buyers, get a deal, and then just blast it out to a thousand of them. Right? I didn't have a relationship with them. I didn't build no rapport with them. But when I actually reached out to them first got what they were looking for, then I can send better quality deals designated for them and to them. And we build a relationship, we text, we talk, mm-hmm. we negotiate, keep your business, stuff like that. But I think the reverse method is the best, honestly. I agree. I actually was teaching my group of students that as well. One of my first couple of deals I had in mind, in my mind, what that buyer was looking for. And then gradually we built a relationship first. He just liked my whole style. I was persistent. So it helps you uh, captivate the, the, the actual relationship. You know them. You may even partner with them. That's, that's been my story. I was able to leverage partnerships to get me this far. So never just look at, you know, your cash buyer as just a buyer, like, See if they're if they are a person of integrity. Number one, <laughs> so make sure you're working, you're uh, doing business with people with integrity, and then maybe after the first couple of deals, you never know, you might be able to be on a development project with them, or maybe they'll mentor you in real estate or wherever, whatever level they're at, they'll bring you along for the journey and the ride. So mm-hmm. I always encourage people to look at, especially in many cases. You know, think about where you want to be, where you want to go. And if this person is aligned with what you see yourself doing in the future, definitely consider a partnership. Now, even when it comes to selling them the land, maybe you don't want to just wholesale it. Maybe you want to keep an equity interest Mm -hmm. or uh, or equity share in in the land or the property, or you want to get down on the development deal. Bring that as like a, 
your own collateral. Like, listen, I have this lot. I want to, I want you to buy in on this project. I want you to invest with me on this project. So then it could be a joint venture. Now, mm-hmm. can you still get a wholesale fee? Yes, you can. Trust me. I know. <laughs> you can still collect the fee. Now you can't beat them over the head now. You, you know, maybe you're not getting, you know, high five digit numbers, but maybe $7,000 fee or whatever, however you decide to structure it, but they're buying into the project. You could probably keep a small equity share in that development project. And, or if it's like a, you know, a hundred unit building or in or on the cash flow that's to come. Now you're in the game forever and you're cash flowing and wholesaling. Right. So I think what you're doing is amazing. So, you know, I admire you. I'm going to tell my little brother to follow you because he's been hitting me up like over the last year. Oh, yeah, I want to get into real estate. Mind you, everybody in my, well, not everybody, but my father was in real estate. Stepmother was in real estate too. And now she's coming back into the business. And I'm like, you know, big sister's in real estate. What's going on? When you ready? So he's about to graduate college. And I'll definitely recommend that, um, He'd be someone that you start, he, he starts to follow on Instagram and even connect with you in some regard. Yeah, have um, a reach out. Yeah, have a reach out. Yeah. Definitely. Any way for people to keep in contact with you and tell us, you know, what you have going on as well. Also, before you get to that, where do you see yourself in the next five years? So in the next five years, I basically see myself having a fully automated wholesaling business like from the acquisitions person to disposition to va like all basically the whole system built out and without you know without having my presence like required to run the day-to-day operations so and then i see myself learning more into i want to be i want to be more involved with commercial real estate like multi-family buildings and like i guess commercial uh projects and I really like, well, I think I really want to get into like syndication, syndication, Airbnb, stuff that provides, you know, more passive income, you know what I'm saying? So I see myself like as a syndicator or Airbnb, doing Airbnb, get a lot of passive income from that and an entirely automated wholesaler business, completely automated, not required by presence, doing between 100 to 150,000 a month, you know, uh, consistently. So about one, you know, about one between 1 million and 1.5 million a year and wholesale deals. Awesome. What has been your highest income or commission month to date or profit month to date? So me and the, I work with a partner, so individually or together, what do you think? I mean, you could do both individually and together. It doesn't matter. Okay. So individually, the highest month, 45,000, 45. Collectively, with me and my partner, I say somewhere between 70 to 80,000 collectively, 70 to 80,000. Cause we've already, we've already done a hundred K plus on our own individually. So, but yeah. That's awesome. So I'm glad that, I think this is going to be probably one of the most motivational podcast that I've done because you know you're keeping it a, a thousand you're yeah. telling people it took you a whole year to get to a deal now you have 40k plus months that's beautiful you know basically people have to stay in there 
You have to mm-hmm. be consistent with the follow up. <laughs> just keep, I mean, you got to want it. Like, you just got to want it. You got to breathe, eat, and sleep real estate, right? Mm-hmm. Until you can really break through and get your first or pop your first cherry, right? And it's the truth. Like, I feel like people just quit. They want, I don't know what they're expecting. They just want checks given to them or feel like you have to, as a mentor, <laughs> joint venture with them. I'm like, I ain't got to do nothing. <laughs> or, even give them, or even give them leads. No, you have to find your own leads. You have to be, people have to know you exist, period. Marketing, real estate is marketing and paperwork. So if you're not marketing, no one knows who you are. If you don't understand the paperwork aspect, you need to understand it. And of course, build out your teams, partner with someone. All the stuff I've been saying so many times, so I know listeners don't need to hear it from me. But DeAndre, this was great. We'll definitely be working together in the future. Let people know how to keep in contact with you. And as I was saying before, let them know whatever services or products that you are offering right now so they can take advantage of that. So to keep in contact with me, you can add me on Facebook, DeAndre Anderson. So regularly spell my name, D-E-A-N-D-R-E, A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N. That's on Facebook. And I recommend joining our new Wholesaling Land one-on-one Facebook group, you know, because me and a couple of my business partners, we answer questions and help people who have concerns when it comes to land or even anything in the group. So that's one, to be like directly connected with me and some of my other partners. And two, you can follow me on Instagram at Flipping Contracts Dre. I, I promote a lot of our like consultation. Like we do a lot of consultation calls, one-on-one strategy calls, two-hour strategy calls. I also teach people about the land trust. And I promote that from my Instagram page. And you can actually book me for a one-on-one, uh, one hour or two hours or however long you need in my in the link of my bio on instagram and as far as like mentorship right now um i just got through for mentoring like four people right and they all done their first deals now and they got more deals in the pipeline so i'm ready to cut them off now and have them start flying and while i work on automating my business but what i'm what i'm trying to do we're trying to establish like you know, kind of build a new mentor. Me and my partner, we're trying to build like a mentorship program together where we can, I guess, create courses and webinars and things of that nature to make it more easy. Because, you know, when I, like when I, when I'm mentoring somebody, I really, I like to see people be successful, you know, so I really pay attention to them. I give them my time and my energy. Um, and I like to pay close attention to detail and guide them. So, and it's like, when I do mentorship, it's really hands-on, I, you know, it's really hands-on training. But we're trying to move a little bit away from that, create more like a curriculum so that we could serve more people, not just a little bit at a time. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah. Awesome. <clears throat> That's awesome. And uh, okay. So this was great. Loved, loved, loved having you come, come on here. Hopefully when I'm in Florida really soon, we'll link up because Florida is wide open. When are you coming to Florida? How, how, how often you are in Florida? Are you coming here? You don't like us, do you? We're too warm yeah, for you. I, I ha- no, 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 no. I still have issues with Florida. You know, I I don't need to talk about it on here, but we'll talk when we get up. I have some issues with Florida, okay? But no, I was in Florida back in okay. 2019. No, 2018 for my daughter's birthday. 
You know, I wanted to actually go to the University of Miami Law School. So I love Florida, but mm-hmm. some of y'all's policies in the state, I ain't feeling. I'm still mad about Trayvon Martin. You gotta say that. All jokes aside, I am. Mm-hmm. I don't like the way they handled that. But I actually was thinking about relocating there. It's either there or Georgia, because I'm tired of New Jersey. So we'll see. But um, hopefully by April, I'll be out there. I need I need some hot weather and some blue water really soon. But yeah, I'm going to edit um, this part out. <laughs> if, you, if you're having like any conferences or if you're going to some like big mastermind or something, you know, like let me know. I'm willing to fly to meet you. Like I'm telling you, I will do it. Again, I love, love, love this this podcast interview. And we will chat soon. All right. So everyone, make sure you go support. Thank you. I appreciate appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Make sure you go support DeAndre Anderson. This podcast episode will be on YouTube. It will be on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. And go check him out on Instagram at Flippin' Contracts Dre. All right. And he's always on Clubhouse. I think every Saturday, right? Every Saturday at 1 p.m. on Clubhouse. Yeah. And sometimes on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Sometimes. All right. So peace and blessings. And you have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.